You're listening to the Nardwar, the human serviette radio show on CITR Radio, FM 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Yes, you're listening to the CITR Radio Show by the name of the Nardwar, the human serviette on CITR FM 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And we have some guests in the studio. Hello. Who are you? I am Stephen Hamm. And who do you have besides you, Steve? Steve I have, actually, if you guys okay, the reason oh, why wrong, mi- wrong mic. Oh, Sorry, oh, oh. Oh, turn around where the red is. Oh, yeah, yeah, there that. we go. There we go. Not so much uh, first off, distortion. Yes, um, and uh, gent- yeah. Okay, who, how's this? Who are? We'll try again. For all you people in <laughs> podcast land, this is real. Who are you? I am Stephen Ham. And Ham, who do you have beside you? Mike Davies. Hello, Mike Davies. Hello, everybody. Mike Davies, Stephen Ham. What band are you guys with? What are you representing here today in the Nardwater Human Serviette Radio Show? And what did we just hear? Please explain. The Enigmas. And Mike was an original member of the Enigmas, which is a, what did they say, Mike, in the Georgia Strait? Uh, an age. Oh, no, not aging. Not it aging. Was, We're um, the aging. We can talk about we that. We deny any aging. Um, one of the best psychedelic girls. And, and as a fan of the band and now a, a member for the last few years, uh, psychedelic uh, Vancouver's finest psychedelic garage actually, actually, rock band. Actually, I think band. you said we were one of the one best, of uh, 
It's like who would who else would there be? Well, that's what I'm wondering actually. Right. Yeah. I mean, but in the 1980s and 1982, yeah. you guys were the sh- were the stuff. You were in a mod band, though, weren't you, Ham? You I was in a mod band. I thought you were in a mod band before, for a while. Before after slow, I was in a band called Slow in in the mid 80s, and after that, I was in a mod band for about a week and a half, and I didn't last. So that's sort of psychedelic mod. I guess so, yeah. Yeah, yeah were yeah. there any psychedelic bands when you were playing? A bit of history on the band first, Mike Davies, before we get into it. And what did we just yeah, hear? Right, and right, who's okay. missing right now? And how is Ham here? That's right. Okay, right. so, yeah, well, Enigma's formed in 1981. And uh, we were doing a lot of garage rock covers and psychedelic covers. Now, and, who uh, was in the Enigmas at the time? Yeah, and it was Paul McKenzie, who's now uh, the founder of the whole Celtic punk rock genre, apparently. Um, <laughs> no, the, no admittedly, lucky? the real McKenzie's, uh, yeah, he's uh, the, the, the main man with that band. Um, we originally had uh, Brian Olenek on bass, who um, was with us most of the 80s. Yes. Uh, an amazing record-collecting man who uh, devotes his life to continuing that uh, activity. I guess, Is that right? what he's still doing? That's what he does, yeah. Okay. And uh, we managed to get Randy Bowman after the demise of the Subhumans in uh, early 82. Uh, original drummer was Cam Beck. He was only with us for a few months, and Randy's been uh, in the band ever since. Yeah. And... Um, we just heard what? Yeah, okay. So that was Teenage Barnacle. So that was actually a remixed. Uh, the, the original song was out in 83 on our own EP. And then it was remixed for Zulu Records. Uh, but actually, this is one of the things. It's never been released. Uh, well, the rest of the EP has never been re-released. So hopefully someone out there can find the tape because we don't know where it is. Now, the Enigmas were, were they, I'm going to use the F word here, folks. Did the Enigma start off as in part of the Vancouver fuck band scene? Uh, kind of, yeah. Well, we started off by busking on the street, and Paul was... Uh, Weren't you called the Wankers? No, no. Paul was in the Wankers. Yeah, yeah okay. Let's, let's go with some history here. Because yeah, so there's Wank Manor. I remember Wank Manor. Okay. So, oh, there's a song we should have played. What's that? Oh, Arnold and, Arnold and his stupid fucking friends live down the street. Yeah, but yeah, I don't know uh, how to get that one. Oh, That's... <laughs> so good. Anyway. Uh, yeah, so he, they, they all lived in a, a notorious punk rock house called the... Wank Manor and called the Wankers and um, Paul sang played bass and Arnold Dutchman sang played guitar with chainsaw runnings on <laughs> drums and um, he was also in the Greasy Spoons with uh, Dave Gregg and Bill Barker and Ian Tiles and um, then yeah the Enigmas I guess was sort of the first sort of semi-serious band for, for most of us, actually. And so. you're back tomorrow in um, Vancouver, British yes. Columbia, Canada. You're yeah. back again with Ham on bass. So how did Ham get in the Enigmas? Like, we went through different people in Enigmas. Right. How is Ham in the Enigmas? Uh, and you're playing tomorrow but, at, but the first, at the Imperial. At the Imperial. It's my mic. Am I just, is my headphones that are distorting or is it just... It's just your headphones. Just my headphones. Oh. Yeah. Like, the reason why we're here... The big reason why we're here is because we are playing at this beautiful club. I don't know if anyone's been to the Imperial, but it's this fantastic venue. It's at on Main Street, just behind, uh, just off of Hastings. And don't let the location fool you. Kitty corner to the rickshaw. Um, if you've never been to this room, come down because you won't you won't believe you're in Vancouver. The Imperial is like the most amazing sounding. It's the best sounding room in town. Personally, I think for a capacity of 400 people or whatever it is, it's the best room in Vancouver, like right going and right that's now. Tomorrow night that's with tomorrow the transmitters, the transmitters, and the shit talkers. Yes, featuring. who are the shit talkers? Uh, I, um, some chicks. 
don't know. Actually. Well, we, I kind of know. I, I'm not sure who. In fact, uh, Liz uh, has, I think, her uh, four daughters in the band tomorrow. So it's uh, it's the shit talkers and the enigmas and the transmitters tomorrow right. at the Imperial in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, yeah. with Ham on bass. Yeah. Right. And Ham, you were in a mod band for a little bit. I guess I was curious. You'd being in a mod band was that was that the Times Four? What were they? Yeah, called? the Times Four. Yeah. Were there any other bands playing the type of music the enigmas were playing when you started out? Like you mentioned, you guys were sort of like a fuck band, and nobody right. was playing that music. Were there any? like the villains from England, they were doing ska. Right. Right. Your yeah. fellow English accented villains, but not everybody loved the villains. The kids loved the villains. Right. What did you think of the villains? Actually, we used to live just a block away from those guys. Um, well, they were Scots, so it was you know a different scene than ours. But uh, there was actually a band called the Roadrunners. Do you remember them? Who, who they played were the soft rock, totally cafe authentic a lot. Yardbirds cover band. Um, and I don't really remember much else. I mean, other the than flunkies. The, the flunkies. Let's say the flunkies. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my three sons. Monkeys, uh, flunkies. Monkeys yeah. Yeah. And you guys were yeah. playing psychedelic garage rock when it was uncool to play psychedelic garage rock. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's part of the thing. Um, yeah, at the time, you know, we because it was would, hardcore. It was just yeah. I guess it was sort of a, a bit of a reaction to the hardcore punk rock thing that was going on at the time because we were playing. Um, you know, uh, sometimes instrumental sax, sax. You know, we did like um, the the fireballs and uh, surf music type stuff, as well as um, you know some pretty heavy kind of punk rock stuff. So it was a lot of variety in the set. But you were, you guys were bringing like the Sonics and bands like that into yeah, I guess the Thirteenth Floor Elevator. Yeah, the Sonics like is that. a it, you know they had the saxophone, which um, I, I guess that was a big thing that we did that was different. Was uh, you know Paul played sax um, on probably about half the songs. And um, no one in the band had a mohawk. Yeah, no mohawks. And, Although, um, didn't Paul have weird hair before well, he, in his he, early days of the Vancouver le- punk scene? Yeah, leopard print hair. Oh. Right? And but, that's what I was curious I like about. Growing up, you're from Ottawa? Did you see punk in Ottawa? Me? Yeah. Uh, I'm from England, actually. Didn't you, <laughs> didn't you stop in Ottawa? No, at all? Actually, you're right. Yeah, I spent a year in Ottawa. Yeah. So, um, did you see punk in Ottawa? What was your first punk was, gig that you went to? Uh, well, actually, my high school band in England were, what were they called? Uh, uh, oh, my. Something Skylark. Uh, Saffron Skylark, they were called. They were kind of a hippie band. They turned into a punk rock band overnight and played our high school dance in 1976. So that was the first one I saw, I guess. So that's so. what got you turned on to punk? Not really. You I, to... I hated it. Because <laughs> I I, all of a sudden in England, all these people suddenly turned punk. And they were usually the most annoying people I knew. So I, I wasn't that keen on, on the look anyway at first. And Ham was the opposite. You loved punk, right, Ham? Oh, yeah. Your first punk gig was Rock Against Radiation. How did you get into punk? Was that your first punk how did, gig? How did I get into punk? Was, I was sort of the same way as, uh, as Mike, though. It was like, I mean, I, I liked a lot of like... Um, Elton John, you know, I liked the Carpenters. I liked, uh, I, I, I liked Kiss. I liked uh, Fleetwood Mac. I was thirteen, you know, and then, uh, then like I remember, like my old friends from uh, from elementary school. All of a sudden, the annoying ones, like you're talking about, I ended up being in bands with them. But the annoying <laughs> ones, all I was, I remember being down like at Granville and uh, and uh, Georgia, and there was like Christian Thorlson and Lawrence Maud with pink hair all of a sudden, and they've all become punk rockers. And I was just like, oh, these guys are, they've really turned into losers. And then, um, but then after that, I started getting into the Ramones. And actually, the, the, Terry, my, my good buddy, Terry Russell, who 
was playing played in my first band first band weed we in grade eight we had a band called weed and then terry's older brother bought a copy of uh never mind the bollocks and that kind of changed everything for us and then a year later our band was called chuck and the fucks so you know that's what sort of happened we all became punk rock too and then you know then you get into the ramones and you get into well it was good in vancouver because we had doa and we had the subhumans and we had the pointed sticks and we had the k-tells right so you could go, I mean, these were the, and these were like the, the super groups of the punk rock scene. And, and they, and my first gig, yeah, was Rock Against Radiation, a flatbed trailer in, uh, in Vanier Park. They, I remember going, going down there and there was like Dimwit setting up the PA on the back of a flatbed and it was pouring rain. And there was a, there was one, um, not ska band, a reggae band, Redemption, it was Redemption. That show was Redemption, and uh, the Subhumans, and the Ktels, and the Pointed Sticks, and DOA, and that's you know those are, those were some pretty heavy hitters. So I mean I'm I'm 14 years old or whatever, 13 years old, and it's like you know all of a sudden these these wankers <laughs> are like my rock gods. You know it was cool. I mean yeah, that's you, I'll let you in. Go the Subhumans, <laughs> the farts, the enigmas. April 9th, 1982. The Enigmas consisted of ex-wankers and played a too-long set of <laughs> 60s standards and Beatles-induced originals. People liked them. Idle Thoughts Fancy, number 8, 1982, Len Morgan. Idle th- oh, Len, Len Morgan. Morgan. Yeah. The oh, Enigmas man. consisted of ex wanks So here's your band, yeah. Mike Davies, and we're speaking to Mike Davies of the Enigmas and Ham of the Enigmas, who are playing tomorrow night at, at the, the Imperial, Imperial. Yep. in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Here's a review of the Enigmas, <laughs> an early Enigmas gig playing with the Subhumans, wow. the legendary Subhumans, and the Farts yep. featuring... Oh, Duff McKagan was on drums. That's Duff right. McKagan right. of Guns N' Roses. Right. Yep. Like, could you think of a more punk gig to play? There we have the Subhumans, Guns N' Roses. I mean, the Farts, the Enigmas, and then you're described as ex-wankers who played a set of 60 dance standards and Beatles-induced originals. But people liked them. What do you remember about that gig? Was that the reaction that the Enigmas got? Yeah, I, 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 I now suddenly remember that review. That's right. Um no, it it was a great gig, and actually that was the final Subhumans gig, and that's where we uh, we we well we we kind of followed Randy around, and said, "Hey, Randy, you want to join the band, sort of thing?" And he was Randy like, was drumming in the Subhumans. R- that Randy night. was the yeah uh, Subhumans oh. drummer at the time, so um, I can't really say I remember the farts um, vaguely. But uh, no, Subhumans were, I mean, they were my favorite band, so. Is that how people regarded you, though? Like guys that do 60s dance standards yeah, and well. play too long. Was that the reaction you well, got? No, people I'd... liked you, but the punks. Yeah, I guess that was uh, the thing we kept trying to span was, you know, trying to not alienate our friends who were pretty ho- hardcore punk rockers, right? So we would play Stalag 13 totally <laughs> hardcore gigs and sometimes even do like a Rolling Stones cover, which, you know, I mean... Uh, we did paint it black, I think, uh, around that time. So that was sort of a no-no. But that was pretty. I mean, yeah, it was pretty radical at that time because I mean, it was like the, that was the, the time of yeah. GBH and freaking. Yeah, we were sort of. Know. Yeah, and like I say, we were a reaction to all that hardcore stuff. But at the same time, we did a lot of shows with hardcore bands. Right. So. And you had an interesting way of getting Randy to be your drummer, the drummer to Subhumans. How do we get the drummer of the Subhumans to be an Enigmas? How do we get the drummer of the punk rock Subhumans to be in the Enigmas, a band that does? 
60s <laughs> standards. It was Paul's cooking that went over Randy? Or better I weed? I thought pa- Paul was a cook working somewhere. Where oh, was he working? Yes. Okay, so that, Randy sorry. likes his food. I think that, yeah. Randy used to frequent the <laughs> Dover Inn. Was yes. it the Dover Inn that was the fish and chip shop where Paul was the manager? So oh. I think that's where that connection started. Too bad they're not here, actually. So thank it you, is. Fish and Chips and exactly. Dover. Yeah. 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 Thank you to Dover. Quote, we always held the enigmas in low regard, mostly because we viewed them as a threat. <laughs> oh, that, is that a quote from me? Stephen Ham. Oh, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Could you explain what's going on there? Stephen Ham well, was slow. It, it, it was nothing personal for, towards the enigmas, but we were label mates on uh, on um, on Zulu Records, and, I, and we were basically young snotty you know oh yeah they were snotty we were, yeah. we were not i mean i was i was a pretty i'm a pretty decent guy but tom and christian in particular <laughs> yeah. were just assholes and i know that they really sort of went after the enigmas as like sort of at that point it was sort of like okay who are the established bands in vancouver right. it was like doa well we can't touch doa although it was always grant mcdonough's thing was like someone's gonna take down doa so the, the band that we we thought we could take down were the enigmas but you know, we all we played together a lot. You guys are always nice to well, us, but we just to be fair, actually, yeah. I, I remember seeing Sisu yeah. in some after hours thing, and I remember my heart sank when I saw you guys. I was like, oh no, how old are these guys? Seventeen. Yeah. yeah. I was like, and I, I think I was twenty three. I was like, that's it. We're we're too old. It's funny you know, how that happens, right? Now, yeah. Right? And yeah. Uh, but yeah, because like you guys were sort of garagey, and uh, just amazing. I thought, but um, thank you. Yeah. Well, then we we put Tank Hog together, and we were like twenty three, twenty four, and then Superconductor came along, and Karma really, uh, really dealt a blow to us because um, they basically did the same thing. We're like, oh man, these guys are really fucking good, and they would do everything in their power to sabotage us. And Keith and I, and you know, and, well, Carl, whatever, but Keith and Keith, uh, Keith and I are, are buddies now. But back then, holy cow, they came after us. But yeah, when you're like 17, 18 years old, it's like, yeah, who are we going to go after? When you're at the head of the pack, That's you right. got the arrows <laughs> in the back. Back, yeah. right. Oh. As Harvey oh, the... Sid Fisher told me. Oh, man. But thank you, Jerry Jen. Wasn't it Jerry Jen that brought you two hated enemies together? We're not, we, we never hated each other. Slow. The Enigmas come together in the JP5. Like, that's where did right. you guys that meet? That's right, yeah. Well, because Jen, because I, I was playing in JP5. And uh, after after our guitar after our guitar player stole all our gear, we needed a new guitar player. And Mike had been had played in the Cane Toads with Jen, right? Right, right, yeah. And uh, there's a there was a good band for while it, while it lasted. JP Five? J- no, Cane Toads. Oh, Cane Toads, yeah, that yeah, was, that was a really one, yeah. good band. I just love it all comes together. Yeah, right. At first, like you're trashing. Did you trash some Enigma's equipment? Did slow like trash some amps? Well, I just remember the story. You tell you can tell. Okay, yeah, story. actually, well, you this know, is, we're this, trying to figure this one out. This is uh, actually ties into the whole Nardwar thing as mm-hmm. well because I remember meeting an embryonic Nardwar back in the early 80s who was booking the high school dances at a high school. Indeed, yes. Hillside you, Secondary you, School. Yes, that? yes. You came to my house and gave me some copies of the Strangely Wild EP. Did I? Yeah. So that On was your a, bike. A primordial sort of, uh, yeah. Um, and I think, <laughs> and so, I got, I knew to book the Enigmas because I didn't know any bands. I just went around my high school and said, "What band should I get? What band should I get? What band should I get?" And everybody said, "You got to get the Enigmas. You got to get yeah, the Enigmas." A great party okay. because they had seen you play at the Soft Rock Cafe right. and you blew them away. Okay. So they said you got Enigmas. So I went down to I think it was Collectors RPM or Zulu, and I got your phone number. And next to know you're at my house right, delivering me copies yeah. of the Strangely Wild EP. Right. So so. Um, 
we, I think, was that the show we had Slow play with us at? The, 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 you had the dilettantes play oh, or dilettantes. the debutantes. Okay. So we did we play there again with Slow? We played we have, either yeah. Hillside or West Van High School with Slow. So um, that was, I always remember that one because I had my precious brand new amp. That's right. And I, I said to Christian, it's like, yeah, sure, you can use my amp. And Christian, for some reason, only had Christian about, of Slow. Mm-hmm. Christian of, sorry, the guitar player of Slow had, I think, only a 10-foot-long patch cord for his guitar. Right. So he would keep running about 15 feet, <laughs> and there'd be my precious new, uh, whatever it was. Yeah. Um, it was d- I remember I seeing it one time doing a somersault. Right. Uh, and uh, I was like, oh, fuck. And then the next day, I went back to get paid, and I got called into the principal's office and severely reamed out because the other band... Uh-huh. Had gotten into trouble with uh, some of the students. We, yeah, but you you weren't around for that, so uh, yeah. No, we we brought yeah. a bunch of we brought a bunch of the girls over across the right. the, the Lionsgate Bridge into into Vancouver proper. <laughs> Let's just back up for on a second. On a school night, we brought a bunch of the girls. <laughs> quote the girls who and, were the and girls. Andrew the girls was a band, right? Well, no, the girls were. <laughs> we we met girls that night, and uh, or I, I don't know if I did, but. Um, we ended up partying with um, a couple of girls, which I will. They know who they are, and the, um, and and Andrew Pearson, <laughs> and uh, and yeah, it was like a Wednesday or Thursday night, and I think they all got into trouble because they came to our place in Vancouver yeah. and partied. Do you think them. any of those girls will be at the show at the Imperial? No, because they live in Mo- both live in Montreal now. But um, let's put a call out to anybody that maybe have witnessed that gig, the oh, Enigmas and Slow West Vancouver Secondary, yeah. Hillside Secondary, coming out tomorrow night to the, the Imperial. Imperial in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada with the Transmiters because the Enigmas, you're back! You're right. You've done a few gigs since. Yeah. You've yeah, done a few gigs. Well, it, it, it was a few years ago that Danny Schmanny, who used to sing in the Spores, had, what was his, his 50th birthday? Was that... Yes, was it 50? It was he was 50. 50th, yeah. You played the bourbon, you did the wise song, and tomorrow night at the Imperial. And Mike, you've also brought in a whole bunch of tracks here mm-hmm. for us to play. I thought we'd begin with some more Enigmas here, because I asked Ham, you playing bass now with yes. Enigmas, which is the hardest song to learn, and it was? It was um, Flying Dutchman, yeah. And why is it the hardest song? Wiki, a bit of background before we kick into this. Are you okay well, to kick into this right now? I hope so. Uh, before we kick into it, a bit of background well, on what we're oh, going to hear here. Mike. Ryan, look, Brian Olnick was a freaking amazing. I don't know if he's still playing, but he's an amazing bass player and he's a very intricate bass player and was a huge part of the Enigma sound. So I sort of had some pretty big shoes to fill. Um, and there's some cool shit going on, on that bass line, as there is in a lot of the stuff. It's it's it, Brian definitely had a, a, a flavor. But this one, I think, really exemplifies that flavor. So try it. And here we go. The Enigmas on CITR.
You're still listening to the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show, and we have some guests still here. Hello, guests. Are you there? We're here. Who are you? I am Stephen Ham, and I am Mike Davies, and we are the Enigmas, and we are playing at the Imperial tomorrow night with the Transmitters, the Transmitters. I know Lard likes to call them the Transmitters and the Shit Talkers. And we just heard a bit of Enigmas inspired oh. music. Oh, go ahead. No, please. I'm gonna. I'll actually. I'll get to it. But okay, here's two things. Um, Colleen Renison is going to be singing with the uh, shit talkers, and there is w- possibility that Bum is going to do a little uh, couple of songs with the Transmiters tomorrow night. Bum of Victoria. Oh, that's thing. very exciting. That exciting. Oh, my God. It? That's yeah. amazing. So that's going to be, yeah. Yes. And what, did, what did we just hear in that last set right there? We ended with what, Mike? With Slow, with I Broke the Circle. Featuring... Steve. The the great ham, the human ham. <laughs> Actually, I, I just, you know, I, I have a certain connection with that where I was with Grant at Zulu Records the day that I think Christian walked in with the tape, the 8-track tape. Mm-hmm. And uh, I happened to be upstairs with Grant and, they said, and Grant said, oh, well, let's listen to this tape. And I listened to it and I went, oh, boy, these guys are really great. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it blew me away. And that was the song, I Broke the Circle. And that was recorded where? At Aragon? Aragon Sound. What was Aragon Sound like? Because it was a 60s place. Was it? Yeah, Al Roosh, Aragon. What do you remember about Aragon? Aragon was uh, this guy, Howie, and I can't remember. He, he played in a bunch of um, like 70s covers band, cover bands, and he was a total 70s rocker guy. And he had a, um, had a, little, a little A-track machine and a, a great little studio. And for some reason, the two of us kind of clicked together. And like other bands, like another kind of blues and whatnot, they all went and recorded at Aragon. And it didn't quite work for them, but Slow and Howie, I can't remember his last name. Where's the single? Maybe Howie Fitzgerald. Say, or Howie Fitzgerald, yeah. Was a guitar player and had this great, they had Pac-Man in there. We thought that was pretty cool. It was just a tiny, like kids, you know, you, you and your Pro Tools nowadays, back then we had eight tracks and we were like, we saved our pennies to get two days of studio time to record that damn thing. And, um, yeah, it was a different world back then. And it was on analog tape. Well, what I was thinking about Aragon was it was like a 60s recording studio in Vancouver. They had tons of great records that came out on Aragon. Al Roosh, Aragon record label. And that's why I thought maybe the Enigmas maybe would have tried to record it. Did you try to go for any vintage recording at all or look into vintage recording studios? 
Were you no, caring well, about that? No, well, we were sort of affiliated with the Profile Studios a little bit by um, knowing Bill Barker, who was one of the founders. And I, I actually helped pour the concrete in the uh, control room in there. So mm-hmm. we tended to kind of gravitate back to, to that uh, area, which was close to home. So, I mean, the, the the day now where it's like, oh, yeah, we'd all like to go record at Muscles, Muscles Shoals or this or Egg Studios or all these kind of places. Back then, I mean, including Egg, it was like, it's like whatever we could freaking cobble together, eh? Yeah. That's what studios were. And then there were all these these places like Mushroom and whatnot that were just like, or Little Mountain that were just out of out of our league. There's no way we could afford it because we thousand dollars a day. But it's going back to what we were talking about the with the Enigmas who are playing at the Imperial tomorrow night. Is those the Enigma songs? They are very they're they're heavy. I mean, and we yeah. heard monsters in, in the basement. basement. That's one of your yeah. favorites. By I love that one. Yeah, was that recorded at Profile too? Where was that recorded? Do you remember? What's the background? That- and that it was from the Halloweeners EP. Yeah, that one was recorded at Profile, and I think that I'm not sure now that there there was a mix done at um, Little Mountain actually. Right, because Ron um, Obvious worked there, and we could all. But I don't. Sneak I think this might be the other mix. I don't remember anymore. I think this is the profile mix, and I think the one on the EP was a uh, little mountain mix by Ron Obvious. And so. before that, we began with the Flying Dutchman. Uh, Flying Dutchman. Are you yeah. going to be playing all these songs tomorrow night at the Imperial? We will. We will. Bike on stage. Period. Mm. It's amazing. At your last gig, I saw you guys drive a bike on stage, or Paul McKenzie, your lead singer, drove a bike on stage for I Want to Ride My Bike, a just Harley. at the Wise Hall. How many times had that happened before? Had that happened ever with the Enigmas before? Can you describe yeah. what was happening there, Mike, from your perspective? Well, that, that, if that, somebody's watching a gig, what would have they seen? Please right. take them back okay, to the Wise well, Hall. That song, uh, well, that, that's for a song called Ride My Bike, which we actually recorded in 89 i think it was and we actually brought that to you nardwar with along with charlie and um i think you used charlie but you didn't use ride my bike i guess i like vespas sorry anyway so um we played the town pump and paul had a 1971 triumph bonneville that he brought on stage and uh, i'll always remember that one because he was revving it so loud i couldn't hear anything so and you know, I didn't I, almost Marshall, get loose on him and take some. Well, that was the other thing. So it was Revan, and uh, apparently it popped into gear. Uh, he pulled in the clutch distance time time before it launched over the heads of the unsuspecting crowd. Um, <laughs> that would have been so we kind of said, okay, well, we did the reunion in uh, January at the Wise Hall. We found a very kind lady named uh, Jennifer. Yes, I can't remember. I, I'm not sure what her last name is. Who? was so incredibly generous <laughs> to let us carry her brand-new Triumph Bonneville uh, 2014 model uh, basically on our shoulders up onto the Wise Hall stage. And um, I thought that we weren't going to run it. I, I, I think Paul, Paul was going to roll it out or something. But anyway, so um, he actually played along with the song in time with the song, which was... Well, yeah, There's a go on YouTube and look it up. I mean, look up as being as being suggested in our article in the Georgia Strait this week. Go look up, kids. If you if you're not familiar with it, go look up the uh, teenage barnacle and the windshield wiper uh, videos because the Enigmas were also a, a band that actually were sort of like around in the golden age of, of, of video where they, they made, you guys made some cool video down at C, CKVU radio or television station, but also from this gig at the wise hall, there's a wicked, um, 
some wicked footage that Nard, you took, didn't it? Did yes, you? I was filming. Uh, I could not believe uh, it. Like, there was a motorbike <laughs> up on stage. I was choking. Like, this, this was exhaust. a... Uh, was I choking? I really was... It was real, right? Yeah. Oh, I yeah, was, yeah. Re- oh, yeah. It was a real I, bike. I was choking. Yeah. <laughs> I've got to film. It's got to film this. It was incredible. And then Paul was actually... It wasn't just like, you know, revving the bike. It was like in the beat. Oh, yeah. yeah. Had yeah. that always happened? And no. Other, Get your heart out, Rob so Halford. Never, that's yeah. what I was wondering. Did other bands that have brought bikes on stage, have they revved to the beat? That's what I... I, I was, actually have never seen a band and do that but I know Rob Halford in uh, Judas Priest did do that with a Harley I think it was right but, right um yeah, I, I didn't know he was going to play along in time with the beat. And it's he, amazing how responsive that bike was as far yeah. as his ability Well, he did actually and... wind it completely open at one point, and it backfired <laughs> and hit me. Oh, jeez. So you'll see me kind of diving out of the way at one point. It <laughs> looked very sketchy, actually. It was like a roadie on stage as well. It looked, like, it looked like the exhaust was like right in a roadie's ear or something. Oh, yeah, there was, something, was that Chris Crider? It was wild. He's deaf. So yeah. check out tomorrow night when an 18-wheeler rolls yeah. in. No. Hopefully what will we bring on stage tomorrow night, at, ladies and gentlemen? At mm. the Imperial. Yep. You mentioned this place earlier, Stalag 13, like the different venues that were around back then. What was Stalag 13 like? You mentioned the videos as well, like the Green Street video from 83 is shot at Stalag 13. What was Stalag 13? I saw some photos and it was like, it's, the graffiti was like, not poo, not poo. What was all that? <laughs> What was, what was Stalag 13? Where was it? And what was that like? That actually says Snotty Poo, uh, something other, uh, Snot Face, and actually the, some of the Wank Manor guys moved into that warehouse. It was like, yeah, with Bob Bob and Arnold. Would, Bob Arnold Montgomery, was, who was uh, Dimwit's brother. Yeah. And um, yeah, the, the other Wank Manor guys. Uh, and it, it became a... I think it was a Hickle, it was, it's a Wally, Wally World, which was a. It was. Sort of was a, it a booze camp? Yeah. Can you describe oh, it was what a, it was? Yes. Yeah, it was, was a, it a booze storefront. Can, what was um, it? No, what it was, it was an old, it was an old automotive, wasn't it? An automotive yeah, it shop, was basically. And yeah. then they had upstairs from that, they had rooms and like a kitchen and whatnot, yeah. and people lived upstairs and down in the basement where which was the automotive shop was a. They basically turned into well, a we, hall. We actually rehearsed there that winter, which actually I, I noticed I posted some pictures on Facebook, and then there was some debate about. Everyone's like, no, no, Stalag 13 was after that because I'm pretty sure it was either December or January, December 82 or January 1983 or something like that. Mm. And we were rehearsing there that winter and it was just freezing. That was what was the address? My first, it was at Heather at Second and Heather. Yeah. Yes? Yeah. Like right down in Falls Creek. Well, it turned into the Arts Club. They got knocked down and they built, remember the Arts Club? Was there for a little? Was it the okay? Club theater, whatever it was. All right, I don't know. yeah, but it was like it was like down in the heart of of, of um yeah the Mount, warehouses yeah the where it was a warehouses, but now it's like upscale condos. Yeah, yeah we're talking it's, ancient history. Yeah, here, this is nineteen eighty three. I mean, because I it was my first real punk rock kind of venue I ever I went to. Oh, uh, City Space, which was down in down the down in. Uh, Rail Town, but when I went to the first show, I I think I might have seen the oh, it was Shanghai Dog. I saw Shanghai Dog was my one of my first times at um, the at Stalag Thirteen, and you went down in the basement, and it was just full of uh, people drinking Black Label, which is what always Bob Montgomery's specialty was getting people to drink Black Label, and um, and Wally, what do you call it, uh, Wally Moss, and I remember playing the first. Sisu's second show ever. Who is Sisu? Sisu, Sisu was the uh, precursor to Slow. It was Slow, but it, it, it um, we we called ourselves Sisu for the first few gigs until we came up with the name Slow. And our second gig was opening up for Agent Orange at Stalag Thirteen. And I remember because it was freaking piss. It was. 
bloody cold out, and that would have been the winter of 1983, and there was water running down from the ceiling because the ceilings were like low, these low wood ceilings. Um, water was running down the back of my amplifier, and I was going, this could really suck. <laughs> And uh, it but, was and, uh, yeah, yeah. Blow up. a near disaster a few times. Always. Was, uh, Baby, yeah. it's cold in here. Stalag 13. There also was like the boys club where you lived. That, that was after Stalag 13. Which was actually like you lived yeah. in a school and you had your own gym. It was, a, it was an old boys and girls club <laughs> What do you remember of, about the Canada? boys club, Mike? Can you describe the boys club? Well, the boys club, yeah, it had a, a, a really nice gym. It was a, yeah, it amazing was a building. gymnasium. Yeah. But um, it was a residence. It was a residence. It was an old boys club. Well, people lived at Stalag 13 because we always used to live at these places that you weren't like allowed to live Like you lived in. in an old school and you had your yes. own gym. It was a community center, actually. We you lived full, in a community center. We lived in a community center, yeah. An old community yes, center. Yes, it was an old, abandoned, dilapidated community center. And we all had our own rooms and we had a, and it was great because it was set up for like. Did you have urinals? Activities. Did you have urinals? We had urinals. We yes! had a full. We we had a full, we had a full, uh, you know, locker room. We had a freaking locker room with those the showers. You would walk in. It was like a shower, like at a at a gymnasium, right? It was like we had these like shower rooms. It was like at the being part of the football club. But how did you get a hold of it? Didn't it get like was why, it was sitting it? empty? It was at like Eighth and freaking Heather, which is like was no one wanted to live at Eighth and Heather. There's nothing at Eighth and Heather, and uh, and this, but except for this boys club and Bob and Arnold and Wally found the place and they managed to rent it and moved about ten of us in there and we had and we had pinball machines and we had. We had a full freaking gymnasium, half, like the Vancouver, like Grant Lawrence going, speaking of getting to you guys, all his, his like his hockey league and stuff, all those guys started, like they'd play floor hockey, they'd rent the gym off of us on Saturday morning, and I'd always be pissed off because there'd be guys like Keith Porteous and uh, the 5440 guys and Grant, uh, what was his name, Grant, who, uh, who works, for, anyhow, and Grant and all those guys would be playing floor hockey in my, and I'd be hung over, and it'd be like 9 o'clock on a Saturday morning, I'd be like, well, these guys got something better to do than play freaking hot floor hockey, like 10 feet from my head, because my bedroom was like right next to the gymnasium. Is that how you remember it all, Mike? What do you remember about the boys' club? Uh, well, there was a few uh, shows. I'm trying to remember now. There was one where it was like all tribute bands. We did at the what end. What happened was at the end of the boys' club when we finally got kicked out because we didn't want to wreck it by having shows there like what happened at Stall at 13. So when we finally got noticed, we had a full weekend um, of, of bands play and there was a one night of fuck bands and one night of uh, Art Bergman played there right. and DOA played there and I think the Subhumans or the Modernettes got back together and there are all these bands. Four Wheel Drive, my my um, my BTO tribute band played there. <laughs> There also was other places too. What do you remember about the gigs there? Do you remember? Oh, you remember the tribute gigs? What about those other places, like those luxury bobs? Luxury bobs, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that was on Powell and uh, was that Glen Street yeah. by the sugar refinery? So top. Vancouver has a good tradition of booze cans. Oh yeah. Then. Oh well, yeah. It was all booze cans back then. Like so, it is now. There's lots. Well, yeah. in some ways, actually, I think one of the worst things that happened was when they legalized drinking on Sundays. Mm -hmm. cause Sunday was always the funnest day of the, of the week because yeah. um, it was all booze cans and. Um, that was, you know, especially when you're starting out, uh, there was nowhere to play in the city. That was the best place to get good gigs. So, yeah, um, there was booze. one called uh, City Space, which I think was on the fourth floor, yeah. which was a total death trap. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, uh, all these places could have killed hundreds and hundreds of people. <laughs> well, the, but, the, the story you're talking about, Stalin 13, where it's, well, yeah, where yeah. it's not faced, like, barricaded the doors and set them on fire, pretty much, right? Or what did he do? 
there's that rumor, yes. Yeah, anyhow, yeah. And, and and almost like 70, 80 people almost died. It would well, have been like Great White, at least that many people. Well, there's hundreds of people. Hundreds there, of people. But, yeah, I mean, there. City Space, I know we played there sometimes, and there was, uh, you know, 500 or more people up there. And, um, <laughs> you know, so they. That's a booze can. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah and there would be like um, 500 people in a booze can. What was the location? So that was Railway Street, three something or other Railway Street. Yeah. It's some uh, schmancy, uh, you know. It's all turned design. into artist lofts now, all yeah. this stuff. So, you know, we used yeah. to go, you know, what is now Yale Town was just, you know, every other warehouse was a booze can. Uh, it, was, it was great times. Luxury <laughs> The Nicholas always looked good. Didn't yeah, they? Did they Nicholas did. look good? Like, where did Paul get his striped pants? Where did you get your striped pants? Where did you get the red striped pants you wore in some of these reunion Well, we've gigs? just been talking about this, actually, is trying to uh, find some of these clothes. It, it, it used to be really easy. We used to go into some of these... Uh, well, no one wanted them. Well, I mean, you could go into places like Cabbages and Kinks and uh, Deluxe Junk. I, I used to say, like, if I couldn't see it from the doorway, I didn't want it. Right. Because it had to really stand out. So it'd be some kind of... Bright, paisley. great striped pants like Brian Jones pants. Right. And, and actually, what really threw us was that you know there was that sense of irony about wearing paisley and tie dye. And I always remember about 1984, the Bay had this paisley, yeah, retro thing. We're like, what? Yeah. Yeah. So you know, like all of a sudden, these really cool vintage 60s clothes we've been collecting were like you could get them at the Bay. So that was the end of the paisley thing. Is that so where th- Paul got his like stop yield 30 miles per hour pants? Cause those, he had- I don't know where he got those pants, but you know, those literally rotted off him. He, he wore those as long as he possibly could, but you know, it, 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 the man sweats when he's on stage and uh, the clothes couldn't keep up with him. You know? But you have some red pants. You're going to be wearing tomorrow night at the I'm Imperial? Not wearing, yes. No, not, not red tomorrow. I've, I've, uh, I'm changing shade. We're gonna the do pants some- you're wearing, how old are they? We want old pants. No, they're not old. No. Will any of the Enigmas be wearing old clothes tomorrow at the Imperial? Again, we're speaking to Enigmas live here on the Nardwater Human Survey Radio Show. If you have any questions for the Enigmas, it's 604-UBC-CITR, 822-2487. Tomorrow night with the Transmitters the and the Shit Talkers, they, Enigmas are back. Then it ties into the Transmitters well, because they were, Nick was in the Smugglers, right? Nick in the, from the Transmitters is, is backing us up. Nick and Jer- and Jeffrey and a great band that, that I I like a lot. I like the Transmitters a lot because they've played yeah, they've played with the like... Enigmas a lot. No, with the Evaporators, sorry, a lot. And I really enjoy that band, and they're a really fun band. Actually, do we have any Transmitters we could play? We should play some Transmitters. They, um, uh, what would you say? Buzzcocks fans would love these guys. Yeah. Uh, what was the Enigma's look? What was the Enigma look? Wasn't there some Enigma look? Well, that they was kind of changed. Uh, I will do it right now. It's... Something like this. Huh? Can you translate yeah, you what he's doing it. now? He's uh, looking down his nose and kind of a little bit dull, a little bit cross It was uh, just a look of stupefaction. Well, the transmitters right. were fancy guys. At least Nick <laughs> Thomas was because the Enigmas played our high school. Yeah. Right. And by playing high schools, you guys really turned the kids on to some crazy music. Like Paul, I remember, showed up. He had like for the song Teenage Barnacle. Then he have some sort of like snorkel and yeah, mask. Well, yeah. this is what I enjoyed about the Enigmas back in the day. It was, yeah, you'd show up. He'd wear flippers on stage. And yeah, there was the sombrero for Pancho Villa. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> Which we will be playing Pancho Villa at the Imperial tomorrow night with right. the transmitters and the shit talkers. And the Soft Rock Cafe, you played some gigs there too yeah, right that was actually a great place to play for a while that was Isn't on it? fourth Wasn't avenue and um what was it about um it was at um it Laurel? was at at, no. at, at, at cyprus no. right across from cyprus. where sea used to be right it was or lg 73 great big room it, i think they sold vegetarian food yeah total hippie uh, room. Uh, total hippie place all ages it was a great place my and, first um, band my first cover band my second band I, a third band it was weed then uh, chuck and the fox and then zirian my cover band my sort of prog <laughs> 
prog. I went from punk rock and then I, I sort of um, rebelled against punk rock and started playing prog in the early 80s. And uh, this band, Zirian, we played at the Soft Rock. It was the first time I ever played at a venue in my life. Yeah, I think it lasted till about 84 or something like that. Yeah. So you're, the kids are loving it. I also saw the video of the Enigmas playing at the Independent Music Festival at the York Theatre with mm. the Fastbacks, and it was insane, like, so tight. Like, it was crazy. It was amazing. There were some good shows, and then there was the Zulu Review at... Uh, at the Commodore, which was with slow versus slow. it was a slow, it was slow, and the Young Fresh Fellows and the Enigmas, yeah, yeah, what a great fucking venue. Well, I, I think we played. Uh, I don't know how many times in total, but it seemed like we were playing nearly every week somewhere around town. Yeah. That gig, though, the, the, and people can check it out, like the Enigmas Live on YouTube, if they check out mm-hmm. the Independent Music Festival or some Enigmas Live. I forget what song's I up there. I think Teenage Barnacle Live is But there. it's going, you're going crazy. You know, so psychotic reaction. I've seen clips of that, too, of you guys going crazy at that music festival. It's so tight. It's amazing. People are slapping that. amazing dancing. band. Paul is really going, like... Yeah. Like he's playing sax, jumping around, dancing. It's like the like they talk about Beyonce being a triple threat. He's the original Beyonce. Oh, it's so great when we're playing the we're playing now. And I mean, Paul's such a freak. He's been doing that. I mean, the guy's been doing it like like basically professionally since then. He's still freaking amazing at it. He's better than ever. He pulls out the saxophone. I mean, yeah, he is a triple threat. I mean, it's like it's so great. Even in in two thousand and fourteen, you know, it's like. Like he pulls out the freaking alto sax and he just wails and it's he's an amazing sax he's actually an, he's an amazing sax player the guy's got a great voice he's a great front man yeah I guess a I'm lot really of um, to be doing that's what we're hoping like real Mackenzie's fans might not realize that he yeah. plays sax so yeah this is uh, like he's a musical guy what about those gigs that you played with like the Vipers and Plastic Land what did they think of you guys when you guys played because it was such an intense show do you remember those gigs that playing was, with the uh, Vipers or that Plastic was a, Land that was Love Affair actually that's, you know, I think the only time we ever played Love Affair because they only had gigs there really occasionally. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, no, they were one of those uh, New York... Because New York did have its uh, sort of own uh, garage rock revival. There was the uh, Fuzz Tones, Fuzz Flesh yeah. Tones, uh, Vipers, Wipers. I don't know. Anyway, the so they were one of the, that crowd. So they were a bit more... Like, we, we weren't... Like, they were worried that their pants might split, well, where we, we, you guys wanted the yeah. pants to split. Well, we weren't trying to do the authentic garage rock thing. Like, we never wanted to have the sort of total 60s sound. Like, we played 60s songs sort of in our own way, whereas those bands, it's like, well, you've got to have the right hair. It's got to have the, you know, mm. that garage What rock was the reaction, spot. though, from the bands? What did they think of you? Did you play with any other bands? Who else did you back up? Did you get any reaction from them? Because I just, looking at the footage, like, oh, my God, they would have just been like, who the hell are these guys? This is incredible. Um, you know who we backed up that was a memorable thing but for me was um, the English Beat we played with them at the Commodore and yeah. uh, such such. I mean uh, Rankin Rogers such a nice guy he's just amazingly nice guy eh? mm-hmm. And uh, but we actually got an encore and we were the opening act so that was like one That's, of the you gotta love top, that yeah top top uh, experience and you know they, they were at their height at that time so that was a really great gig to play and Speaking of gigs, I'm really excited about playing the Imperial tomorrow night with the Transmiters and the Shit Talkers. That's the Enigmas. Come on down. I'm, um, yeah, who knows? Evidently, Bum may be doing a couple of songs. A notorious band from uh, uh, from Victoria. They're a great uh, punk pop kind of band. What, what what do you call Bum? Punk, I hate punk pop. Another but, a, a legend. It's like Stephen. Stephen Ham is a legend, legend, isn't he? he? Is a legend. What do you know? About, what do you know about Stephen Ham? Well, this is one of the reasons I was really keen to get Steve in the band. Is that he is a local legend, local celebrity in his own right. Good memory, eh? Yeah, and um, you know, and he's probably the best bass player around. So I was like, 
Look, no. I, I just gonna say while we're while we're doing while we're in this uh, this uh, self you know congratulatory phase, yes. the reason why I keep saying the enigmas at the Imperial with the shit talkers and the transmitters is because Nardwar years ago told me when you're on the air, make sure you say your band's name and what you're pushing over and over and over again, and that's always been a great. So I mean, we've all. You know, what a bun- what a great bunch of guys we are. <laughs> well, let me take you back here. The a, province. That was good. That was good advice, by the way. Yeah. Moon eclipses rockers. It's bun voyage for a bunch of rock groups at Expo. <laughs> <laughs> the World's Fair has canceled the performances of 14 rock groups at the Xerox International Theatre after a member of the band Slow mooned the audience at a show there was Monday no night. Yeah. And the abrupt cancellation of the festival of independent recording artists has left other groups bummed out at the World's <laughs> Fair. The people who made this decision don't know what the other bands are about, said Suk Yin, spokesman for Bob's Your Uncle. They totally overreacted. Suk Yin says the bands took a lot of heat from their fellow musicians for playing at the fair in the first place. It's very sad and delusioning, she said. Expo Entertainment Director Hamilton Blank said the festival was cancelled for safety and security reasons. <laughs> he said the incident at the slow concert might attract rowdies to the fair. It all started when singer Tom, uh, Tom Anselmi stripped down to his boxer shorts and pranced around the stage. About 45 minutes later, Expo officials cut the power to the band's equipment. It was then that bassist Stephen Ham dropped his drawers to expose his rear end to the audience. It wasn't my rear end, it was my wiener. <laughs> and Somi followed suit. Expo says Ham could be seen from the front of the audience. Police had considered laying charges, but later decided against it. (laughs) Ham says the band's act at Expo was tame compared with their usual antics. And he said Expo had no reason to pull the plug on them and the other bands. It's not as if they didn't know what we're about, said Ham. They totally overreacted. It's a real drag. Wow, you have a good file folder there, eh? That really was a big story, wasn't it, Mike Davies? You know, I remember being actually personally involved with trying to line up that that uh, festival because um, they were they did not want to do it, right? And it's like, no, you got to support local music, and yeah, there was a lot of controversy. Who was play- Did you play in one of those bands? Were the Enigmas involved? Well, in that? no, because Slow played and ruined oh. it for everybody. Oh, okay. And also, this was big news. It also got reported in Billboard magazine. Full moon over Expo. Incredible. Yeah. And one of the amazing <laughs> things about being associated with you, Stephen Ham, mm. is people mail me stuff. And I got something mailed from me that if it's okay, maybe we can play a little snippet off. Yeah, yeah. It's the audio of you doing what? What are we going to hear right now, Stephen Ham? It's me. the very beginning and the very end. What oh. are we hearing? Can you take the people back? 
Okay, well, shout out to the gentleman that sent this. It's uh, cool to play this, right? Oh yeah, it's fine to play this. I, I, you asked me to bring this, and I'm trying to hold out for when you come on. What are you going to do? Our uh, mine and Terry, the drummers' podcast. Um, but anyhow, um, go to waygood.com and check out Terry and mine's uh, uh, podcast. Anyhow, what we're going to hear is the beginning of the uh, of our performance at the Xerox Theater. Slow, in the band slow. Yeah, 1986, slow. And uh, it was, let me set it up for you. It was a, a, a beautiful August day. We had uh, arranged earlier with the expo folks had arranged to drop something like 30 cases of beer off at our house. Our dear friend, Fish and Jim, it was Tom and Salmi, the singer's birthday, uh, our dear uh, super fan Fish and Jim had bought a huge bottle of Everclear grain alcohol, and we had ourselves a little barbecue at our at our uh, our house across the the creek at Fault uh, at Fifth and Yukon, where we were living in a um, a warehouse there, and we drank a whole bunch of beer and. Did a whole bunch of other things and drank a bunch of grain alcohol, and then we were set to perform at the. Uh, the we were the first. Were we the first band on at the at this um, independent musical music festival at the Xerox Theater on August. I think it was August 2nd or something, the first, a beautiful summer afternoon. Einstein Neubotten may have played, but they weren't local. <laughs> that, yeah, but that wasn't that wasn't part of this actual festival. We were kicking off this festival of local bands. The independent music scene being represented at Expo, not including bands like Grapes of Wrath or, or Spirit of the West. All those bands played. They, a bunch of local bands got to play there. Um, these were the more underground bands. But anyhow... Beautiful Sunday afternoon. We were all pissed to the gills. It was also outgoing Premier Bill Bennett's Thank You, Bill Bennett Day. Um, this, it was the theme of the day at Expo was Thank You, Bill Bennett. So what happened was we hit the stage. Um, there was We had ordered all these ridiculous props, which we had decided that we didn't want to use because we were very drunk. So we tore them all down, and then Tom introduced Bill Bennett Day. Take it away, Nardwar. Just a little more information here. We're hearing some commentary in the background. That's from a gentleman's sister that yeah. sent this tape. Can you give it a background on that? Oh, um, there's some commentary. Johnny Orvec, he's up. Who uh, I, I think he works for Air Canada now. His sister recorded this on because um, he couldn't make it. He was working that day, and his sister um, took her pro Walkman. Her and her friend. They were probably sixteen. See, this is. Back, I mean, besides playing booze cans, when we did it, we would play booze cans mostly, um, but then we would play um, we would play clubs occasionally. And Slow had, again, the whole sort of video thing with the beginning of Much Music and whatnot, music, Much Music was sort of just coming up, and you could do stuff like... One of the things with Slow that's, that, that I think is a really important part of Slow is the fact that, I mean, and even with the, with the Enigmas too, like we made a, a music video for Have Not Been the Same, and it was in 1985, and we made it for like five dollars I think we couldn't even afford that we still owe Marcus Rogers some money I believe but it got us on to like we got into heavy rotation on like much music and every kid in Canada watched freaking much music back then and it wasn't on the 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 wedge or something it was like we're in we somehow managed to get into heavy rotation so have not been the same was all over so kids who couldn't who didn't kids who didn't go to booze cans and kids who were too young to go to the clubs came to see Expo because we never played all ages shows, right? Except for booze cans. Um, so this was, a lot of kids came down to see this show, including John's sister, and she brought her pro Walkman so that she could record it. So John, who was working at White Spot, could listen to the, the show afterwards. And I, like literally like five or six years ago, I got a call from John, um, like 
I, or, or got an email saying, hey, I have this the, um, the the audio from Expo. And so here we got it, I guess. And we can hear in the background, there's Ham, there's, there's Ham. Ham. They knew oh, your yeah, name. Oh, yeah, because I was take, because I was pulling down my pants. So since people can't <laughs> see the video of this, and I don't think there is video, there no, might be some video. No, Can you describe, just, no, when, is the pen, when can people then. listen for the pants and the penis in this little clip Oh, here? you can get something, there's some laughter, I think. And it goes dead. She goes, oh, God, oh, God, or something like that. So, oh, God, is the me. penis. And when's the bum? No, it was. I don't know about this bum. Like what had happened was earlier in the show, Ziv, Ziggy Sigmund pulled Tom's Ziggy, not Ziggy, uh, Jimmy Sigmund, our the little brother of our guitar player Ziggy, came up on stage and pulled down pant, Tom's pants. Tom usually had his pants off most of the time because he was so, so fucking loaded that he couldn't keep him on. Um, so Jimmy sort of finished the deed and pulled off his boxers because Tom would wear boxer shorts and the boxer shorts came down and Tom's bum was shown. And then at the end, I just remember they pulled the plug because they pulled the plug on us because they just had enough of us because, you know, the show was good except we had... If you listen to the audio, it actually, I was always sort of like, oh man, we must have really sucked that day because I don't actually really remember being there because I was so drunk. Um, but because we were all drunk all the time back then, right? Um, but I remember, I thought the show sucked, but l- listening to the audio, I think we played really incredibly well because we usually played when we were really hammered because that's how we did things. Um, I think we played really well. I think we did a good show, actually. Um, we were just, it was too much. It was 1986. It was Vancouver. Vancouver was a, it's even like a more tiny little sad little town than it is now. Um, they were pretty, you know, I mean, it was stuff like that. They didn't know what to do with it. But thank you, Johnny, for preserving this yeah, moment. Right? Thank I you, wish, Ham. Yeah, so here we go videoed. back to the Expo Theater. This is yeah, the Expo Theater. Expo. Xerox Theater. Xerox Theater, 1986. Yeah. Expo 86. Yeah. An excerpt here yeah. of Slow. My mom's in the audience, too.
again, you're still listening to the Nardwar, the human serviette radio show, and we still, still, still have... Hello, who are you? Please reintroduce yourselves. It's Mike Davies from the Enigmas. And Mike, who do you have beside you? I have Stephen Hamm of the Enigmas. <laughs> and what did we just hear right there, Mike Davies? Uh, we just listened to Bad Meat, which uh, was written after the uh, tuna debacle of about 1986, I think it was. Oh, I thought it had something to do with Arnold's penis no no it was uh no all right um and before that we had the uh, speaking of penises the uh the the audio track of the uh exposed indecent exposure by our friend here Stephen, at the uh, expo 86 but the thing that i missed there um although the nard you didn't edit then you missed the part where she goes oh look at him with means my wiener was out was a part when tom is going let's give, have a big hand for bill bennett he's doing the nazi salute so that was pretty racy in 1986 was there it was any- only a year and a half after the end of world war ii was there anything illuminating from that little clip that you heard there Mike, from that clip, you were a bit surprised that they got to do their whole set. You didn't I, realize that. I wasn't actually there at that show. Um, That's what I mean, like hearing this. Yeah, it's now that I hear it, because I, uh, I thought they got pulled off the stage early on. No, we're now there I know 40 the truth. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so exciting that the Enigmas now are document- slower documenting their stuff. Hopefully one day that'll come out. <laughs> okay, well, wait, let me look at your folder of my stuff, man. And, uh, Nard. I, the, the folder, when is the folder going to come out? What, when is the slow stuff going to come out? Uh, it's, it keeps getting, we keep sabotaging it. It will eventually. It's going to happen. But the Enigma stuff is going to come out, right, Mike? Like some of the stuff you've been assembling, you've been baking tapes. We, we heard something from Halloweeners. We've heard some other releases here as well. Yeah, we baked our uh, live at CITR tape, and uh, we were hoping to get that onto a CD for this show. But um, I got sick. Th- there's been some technical difficulties with that. Mm. It's interesting as well, the comments that appear on Enigma's videos on YouTube. Mr. Foghorn Leghorn commented about Poncho Villa. He said, Poncho Villa is worth the price. Catchy rock and, tool, rock and, rock and tune with a cool guitar solo. Pancho Villa, to Pancho, be heard tomorrow sounds, night at yes. the Imperial in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. The slow EP that you guys recorded, who was Joey Myers? Who was Joey Myers? Some uh, girl who went to city school with Tom. Oh, and regarding the Enigmas, because she did yeah. the background vocals, right? For She did the on, on Have Not Been the Same. Yeah. Yes. Just thought I'd mention that, because yes. it's pretty interesting vocals, eh? They're, she did a good job for a 17-year-old girl. And the Enigmas, we began with Teenage Barnacle. You're saying it sounds dated? Mike? No, I think it sounds really up to date. I think it sounds. <laughs> I think the the Enigma stuff sounds no. incredibly uh, timely. Actually, I think it's freaking good. And what's and some, you should come down to the Imperial. Like, no, in some interview, show. you said it sounds dated. You said that the Teenage Barnacle sounds dated in an interview, Mike. Oh, I don't know. Why do you always say stuff like that? I man? don't remember that. I, I, I'm too honest and because, truthful. Because yeah. now, if, if you think Teenage Barnacle sounds dated, your song Windshield Wiper, check this out. Now, you have a song called Windshield Wiper, right? Yeah, that's right. Am windshield, I playing this? Windshield Wiper. Not quite yet, but look oh, what we okay. have here. The Windshield Wiper Dance. The hip-hop windshield wiper dance that's on YouTube. It's these kids doing the actual windshield wiper dance. Wow. Like, this is the... Well, win- we actually do have a windshield wiper dance, but, which but doesn't look, look this, like this, though. No. That's what the windshield wiper dance is oh. now. We should put the song, the, our song, to But I'm saying uh, it's, it's come together. Yeah. Like, it's come together. Like, you wrote a song, 
and years later, here is windshield wiper hip hop dance. Is that oh. what people were dancing like? Mm, no, that doesn't look like ours. Our one, you you put your heels together, right? These guys. Uh, this is great. This is no wiper. No, we're gonna we're yeah. gonna steal this and, and assemble that. All right. Yeah. When you guys toured across Canada, we played the comp there, the bad meat from the comp. You played with like No Means No in Montreal. What was that like playing when we across Canada uh, tour? You guys played Edmonton as well. Yeah, we yeah we we went out to Montreal and. Um, uh, we had a, a show out there that was uh, a bit of a disaster. I think we went on at two or three in the morning or something like that. But um, a few of the shows went well. You guys used to like the, the, you guys were kind of legendary in my mind because you had a you had like a milk truck, right? Did you have a milk truck or a we, bread we, truck? Yeah, it was uh, modeled after Reed Fleming's milk truck. Right. right? Okay. Yeah. yeah. I always wish we had painted the uh, whatever that thing is on the side of it. But these guys yeah, used to now they used to like ride on the back on the top because it was at a flat top on this thing and you were like going through the 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 the, the mountains in, in northern california like riding on the top of this bloody truck yeah going well, full. Not, i mean we used to do a you lot of bus, sur- bus surfing inside it we'd, we'd right. go to a party with 20 people in there and bus surf and if you look at the windshield wiper video you'll see that the windshield is smashed right where paul's head is and that mm-hmm. was because one time he was driving next uh, i was driving he was standing and uh, I had to push on the brakes, and he he just kind of hopped up in the air at that time and kept going, sailed into the the glass <laughs> there. But um, but yeah, no, we did uh, well. A few guys started uh, climbing up on the roof, I think, to escape the other guys in the van. Right. Um, and yeah, we did do it <laughs> down necessity. some winding highway in Northern California. But I did actually join them up there uh, once I basically gave up myself. But right. that was Lost somewhere. You also <laughs> rode motorbikes to gigs. We talked about the motorbike that was at your yeah. last gig. We're speaking here to the Enigmas playing tomorrow night at the Imperial with the Transmiters, Mabel's special appearance by Bum as well. And also a little shit talking is going to be happening there yeah. as well. Yeah. Uh, the bikes. Did you ride your bikes to gig on tour? Because there's some pictures of you guys on tour in Olympia. Or was that? That's right. Yeah, we we did a West Coast tour with uh, three old, well, no, two old BSAs and Paul's Triumph, and uh, we got pulled over by the cops literally every day from uh, uh, Olympia all the way down to uh, how far did we go? LA. But uh, so that was and uh, Bill Barker was our sound man, and actually he didn't even have a driver's license, so I was amazed me how he managed to talk his way out of this every day with the cops. Uh, it was. And like, how the hell did he get across the border? I don't know. You it, know that's anything so was possible in those days. I know, right? And uh, you know, <laughs> what were the gigs like? What were the gigs like? Uh, they, the farther you got from Vancouver, the worse they'd get. You know. So um, do you remember who you played with, or was there anybody that was into it? Because it's such a great band, even like the bar people must have loved no, you. It's, you. Well, as as you guys probably know, you go to L.A. and you have to pay to play. And we played a show at Madame Wong's. We were the last band. We were like, great, we're headlining Madame Wong's, and. Uh, by the end of the night, you realize that the audience was the friends of the other bands. So as each band would pack up and go home, their entourage would leave. It's so, not headlining, it's cleanup. Exactly. Yeah. And then, so, so at the very Wait. end, we're like, well, hang on. The only people here are the people that came with us. And so there's no point in playing. They're like, no, you have to play. There were some great, though, gigs in Vancouver, <laughs> like at the New York Theater. I'm looking at this poster right here. It's like the Enigma's Strangely Wild release with like Death Sentence, Jack Shit. And then the next night, it was like the return of Billy Barker's Scissors, No Means No. And then it was like a Soundproof Presents gig as well. Like, what do you remember about those gigs at the New York Theater? I, I actually don't even remember that one. Um, I, I, New York Theater was a great venue. We we yeah. did that three night uh, collectors RPM thing there. That was, um, but no means no. Oh, I, the no means no slow gig. Sorry, no means no in slow at the okay, New York Theater. Do you remember playing with no means no at the New York Theater? Uh, no, yes, no, I don't. 
That's listed there because okay. it was it was the youth explosion. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were on like first. I guess it was DOA like, had play, was playing a couple nights after us. I remember that gig. Yeah, and no means no. We're like wiped the stage. Actually, you know what I remember about Slow is when you guys played at the Savoy. Do you remember that? Which was a club yeah. similar in size to the railway. Yeah. And uh, I think Tom walked out over all the tables. and Yeah, he would walk on the tables. That was a great and, show. Yeah, I remember and we had a surfboard, yeah. which we would bring to the club and exactly, yeah. set up on, on yeah. the tables and play on the surfboard. Yeah. Opening for the cramps were slow, who turned in a disappointing set. Drawing mainly from the EP Against the Glass, the knew. band ground out their music concrete, made lamentably sodden by a muddy wall of sound. Wearing blood-stained nurses' uniforms didn't seem to elicit much audience reaction. While their recorded work ranks as one of the most exciting debuts in recent memory, their live act just makes me want to lock the little brats in their rooms. <laughs> music Trader magazine. What the hell was Music Trader? So you made it to Music Trader. What's Music Trader? Is that how you remember Slow Live there, Mike Pretty Davies much. of the Enigmas? Uh, yeah, I think they, they were really inspired. But, yeah, I mean, you, you just never knew. It, they were unpredictable, right? So uh, it, it was uh, sometimes a bit hit and miss. Depends on how much right? grain alcohol we would. Yeah. yeah you know. And you did a lot of covers in Slow, you were saying. You did My Girl at one yeah, time? Yeah, we did a bunch of, we did Knock on Wood. We did all. See, I mean, like when the Enigmas. That's very enigma isn't it? The, well, the Enigmas were, doing, were, were bringing in the, uh, the back, the garage rock stuff. And we were like, bring, we, we like the Motown. So we were. We were bringing the Motown. I mean, we wouldn't have done that if it wasn't for the Enigmas. But I mean, it was kind of like, yeah, we were trying to do things different. Yeah, we were doing a soul thing. We because we because James Brown came to town. We freaking saw James Brown, and like it changed our lives, right? And we're playing punk rock or whatever this music was. So it, it crept in there, and we got pretty damn funky. And we got pretty funky, and um, we yeah, we did a lot of Motown covers. When you guys toured the Enigmas, Mike, you played with No Means No. We played with No Means No in Vancouver, I guess, but you. SNFU opened for you in Edmonton, according to a poster. What do you remember about that? Like SNFU yeah, well, opened they, for you because that's a were, punk gig, isn't it? They were the yeah. Well, we would play these hardcore. Punk Is that clean shows. up then? Are you playing clean up at that gig? <laughs> yeah. No, they were just starting out, right? Um, Jerry, I remember that show was Jerry Jerry and the Sons of the Rhythm Orchestra, and a band called Ghost Shirt Society, who I think that sounds really they familiar. turned into what was the name of that band I can't remember Junior Gone Wild some probably. weird sin or something like that okay. but um, yeah SNFU were young really young guys like we were probably 23 and they were probably 19 or 18 and uh, they just started out but um, yeah we played hardcore punk gigs all over the place so uh, yeah, it's, we never quite was, knew what the crowd was going to make of us well really. lastly running up here about Enigma's gigs we've got a big gig tomorrow night yes. at the Imperial the Enigma's are back with the Transmiters and the Shit Talkers mm-hmm. you had mentioned Mike about gigs in Victoria where they pulled the plug on you and in the town pump as well where there was some crazy stuff where they paid you one night so you wouldn't right. come back the next weren't Good. you totally danceable why would they do that well I guess that was the problem with us being labeled as a kind of 60s band because in those days, people were like, okay, great, we'll get this 60s band, they'll come play The Doors. Doors, yeah. And, uh, you know, Animals and, and stuff. And we'd so, come and play, you know, Throwing Floor Elevators, Seeds, and uh, MC5 and stuff. So it was it was stuff they'd never heard of, and they hated it. And um, What happened at that town pump? And- the town pump was, we actually won the Battle of the Bands. The prize was three nights at the town pump. So uh, <laughs> sounds like a death sentence, yeah. and boom. And of course, it was like January second, third, fourth, which is like probably the slowest nights of the year. And but they had this big 
ski convention there, and uh, the crowd was like, oh, it was like 60s band. Oh, this is interesting. And then about three songs into the set, they uh, started booing, and we were asked not to play after the first set of... It would have been nine sets. We used to do three sets in those days. We used to play the railway club, do three sets and stuff. So um, that was as far as we got into that one. And then later on in January of 1984, January 27th, you were at the Fortunity of Eagles Hall in Victoria, and it said you got the plug pull? So that was the same month. Well, yeah, I guess so, yeah. Um, I can't remember if it was because it was running late, but... Um, these old fellas were like, okay, that's it. Show's over, kind of thing. And we're like, no, we, we were only like in our fourth song or something. And uh, so then it turned into some battle. I think Crud, Chris Crud, our roadie, was um, wrestling with this guy, literally mm. about <laughs> trying to pull the plug out of the wall. And, uh, <laughs> and it was pulled. And I think we tried to play acoustically. And um, I, I don't remember exactly, but maybe some people out there in the audience who might remember. I don't know. Um, and hopefully they'll come tomorrow night to the Imperial, to the where Imperial. it's the Enigmas and the Transmiters and the Shit Talkers. Anything you want to mention to people about the gig tomorrow night, just before we kick right into the great Enigmas tune, the Windshield Wiper. Anything you want to mention about the gig tomorrow night? Well, I just wanted to mention that uh, we've been working hard at, uh, at, at getting these songs together, and it's going to be freaking great. And there's going to be special guests. They said, Bob might come and play a couple of songs. And uh, I'm stoked to have the Transmiters on because they're uh, just, uh, I think they sort of fit the whole bill so well. And and we're going to have a good old time. And if nothing else, come out and see the freaking room. Come out and see this uh, Imperial. It's a beautiful room. Come on. Randy on the phone. Can he? Hey, Randy. Randy, say something. Do you have to speak? Maybe you can uh, translate. I don't know how to get it on. <laughs> Translate for Mike, in other words. Oh, that's okay. I don't know how to put this on. A yeah, our drummer, Randy Bowman's on the phone, but... Uh, Did you want to say something? Any, <laughs> anything you want to tell people to geek? So right now we're going to play... Come on down tomorrow night. And we're going to end right now with the windshield wiper. I just want to say oh, also that the Imperial is at... Hello? Uh, what's the address? It's on Main Street, down oh, okay. by... Just, just north of Hastings Street. Okay. You have you probably haven't so been there before. Just go to the Enigma's Facebook yeah, page. Yeah, come on down to the Facebook page. You can buy oh, okay. the tickets uh, ahead of time on Northern Tickets. Yeah. And also, we're doing this Movember thing. Mike thought it would be a good idea. So, look, if you go to the, the Enigma's Facebook page, and if you donate... Twenty dollars will give you no, no. two tickets. Is that right? Movember. I don't freaking know. Okay, so we're talking about Movember here, right? Yeah, I guess yeah. so. Okay, so one of the things we've done in this month of Movember is uh, Steve, who normally sports a nice, uh, you know, kind of mustachey, beardy thing. He yeah, shaved, I it, shaved off it off on November first to and, grow uh, back the, for for brain cancer. The other three of us are I mean, uh, ass cancer. Growing our mustaches, and um, I don't know if you can hear it. That's mine. Oh, it's mine. Steve? It's very yeah. wiry. Uh, but, but fine at the same time. The thing time. is, we were two weeks into this uh, campaign, and we've raised exactly zero yes. dollars. Um, well, we've, <laughs> I donated 25 bucks, and that's it. So I'm in a desperate measure saying um, if there's anybody out there that will donate $20 and you put your name on there, uh, we will give you a pair of tickets to the show tomorrow night. And a DVD. Oh, okay. Yeah, give him a DVD. Jesus, too. can't even. All right, well, give him a DVD as well. <laughs> so go to the Nigma's okay. Facebook page. So what you have to do is go to Movember.ca, oh, and you can go in the search box, put in Enigmas, and you will find our Enigmas uh, Movember page. And um, if you donate twenty bucks, 
then you got two tickets. Yes, and come on down, buy tickets in advance. We're going to be selling a lot of them. People are coming out. It's a big, it's a big do. And we're going to cut right now to windshield wiper. Yes, you have that all ready to go, Mike. And uh, after, and maybe we might have a little clip as well. We could have maybe a bit of out of question too. That's a little bit of Enigma's rarity. We can see about that Enigma's rarity yeah, after that. That's the out of question. Are you guys got that in the set there? Yeah, now? we're the playing seeds out of question seeds. Yeah. Yeah, okay, they, so. we, we, they, the the band does some really great, uh, obscure 60s covers that are fun to dance to. And uh, so come on down. The Imperial Transmitters, Enigmas, and the Shit Talkers. Anything else you want to add to the people out there at all, Mike? Uh, this is the windshield wiper. And anything about I'm, an out of question, maybe we oh, might get maybe to, out of the if, there, if we get a, an, anything about out of question, it's live when? Okay, out of the question is when we were rehearsing for our 2010 reunion, um... Mm-hmm. And it's a seed song. So, so, so thanks again for coming out to the Nardwater Human Serviette Radio Show. Really appreciate it. Anything else you want to add to the people out there at all? Uh, hope to see you tomorrow night. And um, yeah, help us out with Movember if you can as well. Why should people care about the Enigmas? Why should people care? Because we're freaking kick-ass garage rock psych band. Yeah, we're going to kick ass tomorrow. So, yeah. Yeah. And you're going to see one of the best shows you've ever freaking seen. So here's the windshield. Do-do-do-do-do. Do-do. Do-do.